Welcome to the Legally Sound Smart Business Show, your weekly look at legal news and questions in the business world. Here are your hosts, Nasser Pasha and Matt Stahl. All right, welcome to Legally Sound Smart Business. This is Nasser Pasha. And this is co-host Matt Staub. Hey, can't do that. Yeah. Okay, still be <laughs> off, but welcome to our business legal podcast where we cover business legal news, actually business news, and then we add our legal twist to it, and then also answer some of your business legal questions that you, the listener, can send in to ask at LegallySoundSmartBusiness.com. And oh, I did some research on Dot Pizza. And? So apparently, they've been taking applications in 2014, but ICANN or whoever handles these domain names hasn't yet released any .pizza yet to the public. So I think we can put an application in, but we still have to wait. But it's weird. The application process just seems like you just say that you want one. It's not like you have to prove that you're a pizza shop or anything. So I may do that. But if anyone knows anything about that, then we could use some help in understanding how that works. That'd be great. If worse comes to worse, I make pizzas all the time, so I think we can justify it. I think we could just add a pizza to the end of the website somehow. Or change the logo to just a pizza. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. All right, what do we have today? So this is a business that I had never heard of. Why would I have heard of it, I guess? It's called Urban Sitter, and it's basically a way to... How would you describe this? Like a matchmaking way to find yeah. a sitter for your kids if you need one. And it's kind of like, a, at the same time, mixed between that and sort of reservations, like dinner reservations. Yeah, I guess it's that easy. To me, it's kind of like an old tradition, right? I mean, you've had young babysitters being used for quite a while, since the dawn of time, I would say. And finding a way to easily find a babysitter for you, not that I have kids, I think is a great service. But it seems kind of weird to me because you know, you're trusting your kids with somebody finding someone that you can trust and using this third-party site. I think it reminds me of Uber, right? For whatever reason, we assume that when we use Uber or Lyft or these other third-party services, or frankly, even a taxi, that somehow the person that we're getting in the car with is someone that we can trust. And in general, I think you can trust most people. But in this case, just because you're using a third-party software doesn't necessarily mean you can trust that babysitter. That's true, but it's not like you just get matched with somebody and that's that. I, I mean, there's recommendations. I'm sure I would assume that the company does some sort of background check on the possible sitters. I know other sites have done that. What's pretty interesting about this though, they actually tried to launch this before Facebook even existed. Oh, interesting. So, (laughs) you know, that's a long time ago. At least that's what this article says. At least in internet times. And it looks like they do some background checks and it's paid for by the actual sitter which is interesting. But we all know that background checks, they're not foolproof, obviously, right? Second is, I think this urban sitter is going to go through the same, especially if they start to get really popular, which looks like now they have more than 35,000 sitters and 75,000 parents nationwide. But the point is that they're going to have the same problems as all these other sharing economies, whether it's Airbnb or Uber, what have you, where what happens if that babysitter does something wrong? And I think the law is pretty much all there, but the question is, are they poised and ready for that kind of blowback? Do they have the proper insurance? Do they have the proper disclaimers on their websites? Do they have the proper agreements with the babysitters themselves? And that's going to come down to whether or not their entity having liability. Yeah, I mean, those are all good points. And you have to worry about, like we talked about last week, the Airbnb squatter. You don't want a a babysitter squatter. (laughs) You know, Those are the worst kind of squatters. Yeah. 
So this is urban center. There's no rural. It's really only hitting one of two markets. So yeah. you have the urban area and the rural area. So I guess if you don't live as close to a city, then I guess you can't use this. I yeah. don't know. That's definitely elitist to exclude all the people in the rural areas. I've never used it, so I'd, I don't know how it works. It's interesting. I think many parents may be skeptical, not only at first, but yeah. even if it gets popular, I think there's going to be a lot of parents that just don't do that kind of thing. They're going to go with babysitters that they know of. Or at the same time, but that's a referral. But at the same time, I think this is, now that I think about it, if it's a referral plus that they're part of Urban Sitter, I think that's a plus because then it has a method of payment. It has some accountability and the scheduling's all there. And even a babysitter can be like, oh yeah, just go to my Urban Sitter profile, assume that's how it works, and then you can schedule me here or whatever. And I think from that perspective, I think it's a pretty good tool that parents may actually start using. Yeah, it seems like it's very user friendly. I, I watched a little, they had a little one minute video and just the processing, very, very easy to do, easy to follow, easy to find a sitter. They said a lot of their sitters in their early 20s. So. Are the children in their early 20s too? Or what if there's age limits? <laughs> yeah, probably some of them. I don't know. I know some people that were in their early 20s that probably <laughs> needed a babysitter, but I won't name any names. Well, let's keep track of this urban sitter. I think we should mark this because. You know, if this starts to get popular six months from now, we'll be talking about this again about some legal issue because some babysitter did something wrong, or maybe even a babysitter had something done wrong to them, and whether or not Urban Sitter is uh, liable or not, and how that affects it. I'd be interested to find out. Yeah, one last thing that is pretty interesting you don't get their full name, so you can't really do any kind of deep dive into who they are. Because it talks about being linked to Facebook, but they said that you can't see their Facebook profiles based on what's provided through the site. So really? that's a little bit different. I don't know if I would want that, but obviously it's worked. They've had a bunch of people, 75,000 parents have signed up. So I guess the numbers speak for themselves. Okay. Well, well, those listening to this a few months from now, make sure you send us an update if you see anything new about this company. Yeah. Appreciate it. And we'll update you guys. All right, let's get to our question of the day of our episode number 77 from a person in Anaheim, California. Anaheim. Also home of the Anaheim Angels, right? Uh, I think technically they're the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. <laughs> but Oh, yeah, that's right. They had There's a whole controversy about that. Which is the dumbest name ever, but they used to be the Anaheim I think they used to be the Anaheim Angels, yeah, and the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. But I don't think I could go with one episode without making a sports <laughs> comment mistake. <laughs> well, there's the Anaheim Ducks. They used to be the Anaheim Mighty Ducks, which basically was a team... Like, from the movie. Yeah, it was a team created solely for kids to like, and I think it worked because every kid, even if you... I mean, I've never played hockey ever, and I, everyone likes the Mighty Ducks. So, oh, they're my favorite team yeah. for sure. I haven't, I've never watched them play, but if someone would ask me, yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, all right. Should we still ask the question or are we good? Yeah. This is from uh, Goldberg oh, okay. in Anaheim. Can I get in trouble for having my employees give our competitors negative reviews on review sites? <laughs> oh, I hate this guy, this person, man or woman. It's like the worst person on earth. These are like the calls that we get from potential clients and clients they're complaining about competitors leaving fake reviews on their websites and they know that they're competitors. What do you think? Yeah, so just speaking in general, you can't do things like this in general. It's not even just on review sites, but you can't say 
things about people, whether or not they're on review sites or not, that are false. I mean, that's just a, that's a general rule of thumb that I would advise people to live by. But yeah, if you're having, if you're posting fake reviews on these review sites for, for your competitors, you're going to run into some issues. I think there was recently a case that popped up in California. I don't think it was, hopefully it wasn't this guy's company, but... Um, <laughs> Probably. He should, he should have learned his lesson. Yeah. Yeah. The California case you're referencing, they brought a number of causes of action and I think they won because when you do something like that, it's not just about defamation, but if you're a business and a competitor doing that, then there's also unfair business practices. There's the Lanham Act, which basically prohibits defamation or trade libel by your competitors. Like Think about those commercials online. You can't say that a competitor's product is somehow bad in a way that's not true. Yeah, And I think they were able to say that even if you did it on someone else's website or whatever, you're pretty much doing the same thing. I'm just wondering how these guys got caught because if your competitor is doing it, oftentimes it's done anonymously, right? Yeah. I mean, it kind of depends what kind of business you're running too. If it's a business where you, the business owner, see every customer... So something like a, what's a good example like a like a dentist office like a dentist yeah or a dentist or doctor yeah. then you're going to know the people but if it's you know if you just have a general retail store you're not going to know every person that walks through the door I guess yeah. if they're complaining about or a restaurant even if it's a restaurant if they're complaining about an experience you probably will know what's going on but I guess it's possible too if they got a bad experience and you know they just didn't but even then you may think that it's a competitor but which competitor and unless it's just like a small market or whatever. You know, who knows? I don't know if we even mentioned fraud yet, but I mean, yeah. it's, it's going to get into these are fraudulent things that are happening. They're untrue. If you're the actual attorney on this case, filing a claim against this competitor that's doing this, I would include a number of causes of action, including fraud, including uh, unfair business practices under, I think it's section 17200 of Business and Professions Code of California. <laughs> don't ask me why I know that, but that, I think that's the case. And also a number of other claims, defamation and other statutory violations as well. I think you have a lot of options there. And, and you only need one option. I think the hard part is the proof aspect. It's going to be easy to prove what they're saying is not true. It's going to be hard to actually make a connection between the identity of your competitor and the actual poster of the review. Right. So if you're this, uh, answer this person's question, this was uh, Goldberg or Gordon Bombay, whoever it is. <laughs> Can you get in trouble for having your employees give competitors negative reviews on review sites? Uh, yes. Unless it's a situation where they actually you know, went to the businesses and, every, and the actual reviews were bad and that's what they gave. That's true. Assuming that's not the case, then yeah, you, you definitely can get in trouble for doing it. So just make a better product, have a better service. I'm going to regret saying this, but you make me think that there is a legitimate way, not legitimate, I should say a legal way to do it. Let's say it's a dentist or a restaurant. You have all your employees go there and then have them leave a negative review that reflects their actual opinion of their experience. And so long as it's there's no statements of fact that are not true, an opinion's fine. And then also, so I, I kind of regret saying that, but that, that is one way to do it. Also, I want to mention that this person asked, will the employer get in trouble for the employees doing it? And generally, we've talked about this in the past. If it's an employee, an employer is vicariously liable of pretty much everything that a employee may do. And that's different for independent contractors. That's a good point. Yeah. The worst part about this is Mighty Ducks is only a 6.4 out of 10 on 
IMDb, which doesn't seem possible, but... Well, IMDb, they're pretty strict with the ratings. I remember it as at least a 10, if not higher. (laughs) Maybe 11 out of 10. But it did make the top 5,000 in movies, so congrats to them. (laughs) Very good. All right. Well, thank you for joining us. Yep. Keep it sound and keep it smart. This has been the Legally Sound Smart Business Show with your hosts, Nasser Pasha and Matt Stop. The Legally Sound Smart Business Show is your weekly look at legal news and questions in the business world. Legally Sound Smart Business is a podcast that is intended but not promised or guaranteed to be current, complete, or up-to-date, and should in no way be taken as an indication of future results. No attorney-client relationship is created by listening or submitting questions to the podcast. The podcast does not constitute legal advice, but rather is offered only for general informational and educational purposes. You should not act or rely on any information in the podcast without first seeking the advice of an attorney. The opinions expressed in the podcast reflect the views of those individuals and do not necessarily represent the views of any other individual or business. For more information about the Legally Sound Smart Business Show, visit LegallySoundSmartBusiness.com.